You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Get a little bit of a late start. I will blame uh, the sickness once again. And also, taking care of a dog and got a pork butt going. And you know you know the routine. But um, my goal is to get this out before the noon games, because really, I'm just that's, that's what I want to do today. Um, I know it's game day and it's get hyped up day, but uh, we've been kind of talking about how the Packers, and by the way, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> I probably should just wait, but let's get it out of the way. I, uh, I've been try I've tried to be objective about this Saints game and not get everybody too hyped up and try to look at it from different angles. I'm kind of over that. I kind of am. I was listening to, forget who it was. Who's, who's the guy, the minister, the Vikings fan lawyer guy? Anyways, I was listening to his podcast because I just wanted to hear what people had to say, and um, I listened to them talk about all these different games, and every time I listen to it, there are certain things that just annoy me. A lot of times it is the Packers, but they started talking about the Saints-Packers and uh, all the different things and how they think it's going to be kind of close, and I just started getting angry. And, um, you know, sometimes when I do, when I have these, by the way, all these picks and everything that we're going to be going through, I'm going to be looking at DraftKings. DraftKings is a sponsor of this show. Thank you for them uh, for doing that. Be sure to sign up over at DraftKings using uh, Packernet, Pod, uh, Packernet, I think it is, all caps. I don't even know if that ad's running yet, but we got a new uh, new ad read. Anyways, all those details should be on that if it's running. You'll hear it at the break. But once in a while, they'll throw a little bit at me. You know, like, uh, here's some money so that while you're promoting it, you don't have to lie. You can be like, here, I'm going to play along with you. So long story short, I just put it all on the Packers, and I just let it ride. It was a little bit left over from on another site, and I, I split it up between mostly the Vikings and the Packers because I think both of those are equally as ridiculous. But as soon as I got done listening to, I don't know, it's going to be kind of close, and the Saints, I think the Saints are underrated. I think they're going to be kind of close. That's my impression of the other guy on that show, because I, by the way, that show is so pathetic in my mind. I got to look up their names, because I can never remember. Mike Florio, and who's the other guy, though? Oh, Aaron Rodgers, which is the dumbest thing ever. It doesn't even list his name on, on the podcast. It just says PFT with Mike Florio. And then even in the description, it does not list his name, which makes perfect sense, because the most annoying thing about that show is it's basically him just sucking up to Mike Florio the whole time. Like, you would think he's his own personality and he'd be willing to stand on his own two feet, but man, Mike Florio pushes him around like a little punk, and he just takes it. It's weird to me. I mean, I don't, I, maybe Mike Florio's his boss, and he's just like, I better, I better, you know, more or less agree, and, you know, if he says something stupid, then I'm just gonna be like, yeah, I guess I'm stupid. <laughs> it's just embarrassing and hard to listen to. Like, dude, stand up for yourself once in a while. I cannot find the guy's name anywhere. 
Chris Sims. I think that's that's his name. It's just it's just weird to me. Former quarterback. He's got his own career. It's all. I mean, why why wouldn't you? I don't know. It just it's it's so hard to listen to uh, him just get walked all over. But anyways, very few. But it's the other thing I've noticed. I'm surprised my numbers are so bad on the weekend because no other podcasters want to do episodes on the weekend. Very few. I get that the reason is most people aren't listening, but for those that are, it's kind of me and nobody else. <laughs> like you don't have, I mean, you got obviously back a day because they're every day, but there's not a lot of options on Saturday, Sunday. But anyways, they had their week one kind of going through and, you know, I mean, it's like as everybody's still hemming and hawing and I go check the line, it is back up to Packers minus four, by the way, but you start seeing like Marshawn Lattimore might not play now and it's like, ugh. I mean, why why are we still pretending? Why am I still doing, like, the hemming and hawing thing? Outside of any given Sunday, I just don't get it. What? 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 Anybody can lose. The, the Chiefs could absolutely lose to the Browns. In fact, you can make a better case for that one. The Browns are still the Browns. They didn't lose their quarterback. They still have the wide receivers. They still have the best offensive line in football. They still have an, an, an incredibly good running back group. They have a quarterback that he's inconsistent, but when he's at his best, he's scary. They have one of the best pass rushers in all of football. I think you can make a case for the Browns. What is the case for the Saints? What is it? Well, um, Jameis might not be as bad as people think. Okay. Well, Jameis likes to air it out. Okay. He's been airing it out his whole career. He's been a terrible quarterback his whole career. The teams he plays for have been bad his whole career. By the way, as an air it out quarterback and a very early draft pick, he got cut from his own team. Not because everybody else is bad, but because he's bad. They said bye-bye to him. And then they started winning Super Bowls. Because apparently they identified the problem as being the quarterback. And when they got rid of the quarterback and brought in a different quarterback, they started winning Super Bowls. And then he went over to the Saints, and the Saints brought him in as a backup. And last year, he wasn't even the number two behind the quarterback that now everybody's saying he might even be better than. He might be better than Drew Brees, although he wasn't even the number two. He was the number three behind Drew Brees last year. By the way, he was graded in like the 30s and 40s when he did play. He played terribly for the Saints last year. So that's the reason. Alvin Kamara, who was there last year, that's the reason. They don't have their quarterback. They don't have their number one wide receiver. Their offensive line outside of their tackles, who, by the way, give up plenty of pressures um, on the interior, is terrible. The wide receivers left on this team are terrible. The defensive tackles on this team are a joke. This might be the worst defensive tackle group in all of football right now. By the way, I was wrong about Trey Hendrickson last year. I, I told you two times ago that Trey Hendrickson was gone. I mentioned he was gone. And then last year when I was ripping through the stats from last year, I saw Trey and I was telling you his stats and all that. He's gone. Forget everything I said about him. So they got two guys left. Trey is not one of those guys, which by the way, that's a problem for them. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're fine assuming you call last year an anomaly, their corners are putrid, and I don't even know who they're going to be. Interesting little note from Track that just came across my the wire here uh, two minutes ago. And at an estimated $83 million, the Saints will bring in the least expensive starting lineup into Week 1, some $43 million less than their opponent, $68.5 million less than the league-leading Browns. Why do you suppose that is? Well, if you look at the team cap space, they have less than $4 million in cap space. So how does that make sense? It's because of the dead money. They have $37.7 million in dead cap money. That means something. The value of their roster is less. I mean, just mathematically. You know how much talent $37.7 million is? 
Well, I'll tell you. It's Drew Brees, Janoris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Sheldon Rankins, Jared Cook, Thomas Morstead, Patrick Robinson, Malcolm Brown, Latavius Murray, Nick Easton, Josh Hill, Alex Arma, Kyle Murphy, and uh, Josiah Bronson. That's who makes up the $37.7 million. That, that talent is gone. Because of all the damage they've done to their salary cap, cautionary tale for the Packers, because of all that damage of going all in, they forfeited almost $40 million this year. That's $40 million they can't use on talent. They basically have $40 million less in cap space than everybody else, which is why their team right now is so bad, which nobody wants to acknowledge and nobody wants to talk about. And we have to just dance around it. We got to play all these stupid games. Well, maybe, I don't know. They got to play LASIK surgery. Let me tell you something. If Drew Brees was still on this team and Drew Brees was still in his prime, the Packers would still win this game. It's not even debatable. Packers would still have a better quarterback, still have a better offensive line, still a massively better wide receiver group. Better running backs, by the way, because Alvin Kamara, this is the other thing. They're like, oh, I think they're going to be able to run against this Packers team. That's one of the things Florio said. You're dumb, Florio. He didn't even do it last year. He beat us through the air a lot. He ran for like 50 yards total. By the way, Latavius Murray is gone. So the ability to actually run, 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 run the ball falls entirely on one guy who's not built to run, 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 run the ball. But that that tired old line of the Packers, just they're terrible against the run. They As though every running back that comes in just absolutely gashes the Packers. It's just not a reality. Yes, yards per attempt, they were 21st. Oh, no. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're below average. That's true. 16th is average. 21st is below average. But the way they talk about the Packers, they're 32nd every year. I'm, I'm serious. 11 teams are worse than the Packers against the run last year. It's not just automatic. We're being a little bit carried away with it. Well, I think every, you know, the Packers have been terrible against the run, so you know they're going to get a ton of yards on the ground. Do you know that? I mean, again, I understand they're not great, and they definitely need to get better. It's an area where they absolutely massively need to improve. The, the point isn't that they're good against the run. The point is everybody massively overstates this, and it's boring, especially when we're trying to drag a narrative out that says the Saints have a chance, because apparently Alvin Kamara is going to run for what? For what? How many yards? How many yards is he going to run for? 100, 120? Say the team in total is going to run for one. Last year it was 122. He's going to do that by himself, 122 yards? Okay, and then what? They did that last year, still got spanked. So what? What are they going to do through the air? Anything? With who? And how? This oh-so-terrible defense last year, which took a step back, ranked 13th overall, 9th in yards. And that's with half the defense getting a slow start and not even picking up until like week 9. Even if the Packers stumble out of the gate a little bit, I just don't know how you build a case for the Saints. So yeah, I let it ride, man. You know, and, and anything can happen. I, I play, have you ever played uh, Streak for the Cash on uh, ESPN? I think that's what it's called. You don't have to pay for that at all. It's completely free. But what you do is you just pick things. And a lot of times it's very simple things. They don't do anything against the spread. I mean, they might, but they'll just have st- stuff that's straight up. And I got to put in my picks for today for sure. But they'll have things like, uh, what's this real simple game here? Who's going to win, Bears or Rams? Who's going to win, Lions or 49ers? And so it's it's fairly straightforward, but the point is the person with the longest streak at the end of the month wins the money. And of course, the the, the crazy thing is in a lot of these games, I'm dead serious, they're like 99.7 and uh, compared to 0.03% in terms of like how many people have voted one way. And they're very simple. And, and you, you'd be lucky to get to beyond five picks in a row because sports are just crazy. You know what I mean? And I say it that way because there's going to be people who are furious with me if the Packers lose. And I get it. And it's going to suck because I'm already going to be in a really bad mood. 
and then I have to get trashed on Twitter. I mean, it's just, I'm glad, as I've said, the last two years, the Packers are 13-3, and three, because there's only been a handful of times when I've had to deal with that. Unfortunately, the NFC Championship game, people were so depressed, they didn't even, uh, they didn't really even come at me so much. They were just, people were just really down. But, you know, I, again, I, I just want it said, anything can, any, and, and if we go through these games, and we're going to start doing that because I got to get rocking here, but Bill Steelers. Almost everybody acknowledges the Bills are probably going to win that game, but they might not. And if, and if they, here's the thing, we only overreact to our own team. Well, I shouldn't say that, but generally, if the Packers lose, there will be a plurality of Packer fans that are very concerned about the implications of this, that are very upset, very worried about every single thing that went wrong. Maybe the offense is massively, we're going to panic. If the Bills lose to the Steelers, very few Packer fans are going to say the Bills are overrated. For the most part, most people are going to say it's week one, stuff happens, right? It, it happens all the time. Last year, every year, pick any week. There's there's a, a team that lost that shouldn't have. Chiefs, if the Chiefs lose to the Browns, does anybody think, ha, they're not going to make it to the playoffs now? No, everybody acknowledges they're going to go to the playoffs, and they're probably still the favorites to be in the Super Bowl. Because we always acknowledge flukes, but we very rarely want to acknowledge it when it's our own team. But anyways, all that to say, I'm all in. Um... We might as well start with the Packers since we're doing this. And then I think what we'll do, I'll, I'll, we'll go through the Packers just from a very brief, because we've gone over this a thousand times, but just kind of updates for today. Um, and, and hopefully we get further updates, especially Zadarius. I haven't heard anything official about Zadarius yet. He's still listed as questionable, as is Tyler Lancaster, which is not an insignificant thing. Uh, Vernon Scott is the one guy that's out. But for the Saints right now, Traquan Smith with a hamstring, which is, again, massive. It's unbelievably massive, as is Ken Crawley, which I think we knew as of yesterday. But here's the thing. With Ken Crawley out, that means Paulson Adebo 100% has to play. Ready or not, here comes Aaron Rodgers picking on you. Traquan Smith is their number two wide receiver. So their number one and number two are out. That leaves, I guess, Marquez Callaway as their number one wide receiver, who was an undrafted free agent last year. I don't even know who exactly is going to be after that. Probably Deontay Harris. The guy that I was mentioning is a big special teams guy. Um, but the problem is, if you want him to be a massive factor on special teams, you generally don't give him a ton of snaps on the offense. Plus, 5'6", 170 is not a, a minor thing. Generally, those types of guys don't make it on, um, you know, starting rosters. I mean, Tyreek Hill might be the exception, but Tyreek Hill is the exception. That's the point. But he is an undrafted free agent in 2019 out of assumption. So your top two guys, I believe, are both undrafted free agents. Um, otherwise, what do we got? We got Ty Montgomery. Yes, that Ty Montgomery. Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, who hasn't been very good. Uh, a seventh round pick this past year, Aesop Winston Jr. Kawan Baker, who, um, I'm sorry, undrafted in 2020. Kawan Baker was a 2021 seventh round pick. Uh, Kevin White. Yes, that Kevin White, uh, from the Bears, who's still terrible. They, he played nine snaps last year. Absolutely horrible. And uh, Chris Hogan from uh, from a million years ago is also terrible. So I, I I don't know. They they don't have wide receivers. That's that's the point. And then at corner again, um, they did bring in Bradley Roby. I'm assuming he has to play at this point. Probably a big part of the reason they brought him in. Uh, but he hasn't been on this team very long. Remember how we? T- I mean, granted, there, there's certain things as a veteran you know, but it's not an insignificant thing to come in and be like, all right, here's all our play calls. Here's everything that's going on. A lot of communication goes on that needs to be learned over time, and Bradley Roby does not have any of that communication. And, and again, I don't know exactly what's going on with Lattimore, but um, something to keep in mind, he was a late addition. 
and a downgrade. That's not a good sign right before a game, right? You want to go the other direction. The fact that it seems as though he's getting worse, that's not good. By the way, this just in 12 minutes ago from Nicole Menner. Um, Nicole Menner is Fox 11 News Green Bay. She says, Packers' Zadarius Smith is telling fans he is playing today. Said he couldn't miss the first one. I mean, this is going to be an absolute slaughter. I'm I'm guessing you got the news by now. Um, I'm hoping that this is legit news. But uh, thank you to Nicole for that little tidbit. I don't know, man. So, um, you know, James Hurst also injured or questionable, but he's not a starter anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, come on, man. What, 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 are, we, what are we even talking about? Especially when we're talking, you can't even give him home field advantage. I saw somebody tweet out yesterday. Again, this is completely unscientific, but it's the only thing I've seen so far. Somebody put on Twitter something to the effect of they, they, they're out in Jacksonville and Packer fans at least outnumber the Saints fans three to one. He said, I've seen like 20 families with Packer jerseys out here. I've seen like one or two with, with Saints stuff. Here's the other thing to consider. I think, and this is important going forward, and I probably should have paid more attention to this before I spent all my money, but <laughs> I think home field advantage, especially early on, is going to have a bigger impact than in years past. Because remember what I said, really the home field advantage doesn't mean much. However, noise does. So if it's a home field that's very quiet, there's no advantage. If it's a home field that's very loud, there's a big advantage. And so if you're talking now Green Bay Packers and you're talking lots of noise, and, and lots is, is somewhat relative, but we're talking, first of all, away from Green Bay. Let's fill up that stadium, let's say two-thirds with Packer fans, and let's just say that these aren't the kind of Packer fans who have season tickets that go strolling down the street, hang out, sit down, sip their iced tea, tell everybody to sit down, do the wave. No, no, no. These are the rabid Packer fans that buy tickets, fly across the country to go there and spend a lot of money to cheer on their team. These are the fans that like to get up, scream, stomp, and have a good time. By the way, if you're going to be there, do it, man. You got to do I'm telling you, scientifically proven, you're giving your team three additional points. If you can be really, really loud, you're giving the Packers three points. Be very, very quiet when the Packers are on offense. Be very, very loud when the Packers are on defense. And our team especially feeds off that. We've seen it. When the Packers, are, when, when there's no noise, our defense doesn't do very much. But when it gets real loud, Zadarius, Rashawn, Preston, Kenny, those guys, they can't miss. On third and long, when the, when the crowd is screaming at full throat, they don't miss. They don't miss. Always making plays, especially our pass rushers. By the way, I should probably uh, officially end our thing here. Let's see. Patreon. We need 45 people to sign up in the next couple hours. If, <laughs> if we get 45 people to sign up in a couple hours, we will have met our 300 patron goal, and um, I'll be buying somebody a, a, a Packers ticket. Speaking of, thank you very much to uh, Prince, uh, Princess Thunderballs, who is probably my favorite patron just because of the name. Been, uh, been, been missing the princess for quite a while, but uh, he and the wife are back. I don't know. He mentioned that uh, he and his wife, listen, I'm trying to figure out how this name works. And I'm wondering if it's like the wife slash him. It's not even a slash. It's just, it's not even three words. It's one word. Probably has not even that much thought out, but I can't stop at trying to think these things through. But anyways, thank you very much for upping the pledge. Thank you, Mr. Thunderballs. And also thank the princess. With that said, let's just go ahead and take a break again. I'm going to keep an eye on any and all updates that come across the wire. But in the second half, I just want to rip through some of these games, where my head is at. Um, just straight up as well as against the spread. By the way, if you're in the CBS pool that I do or any of the pools, make sure you check your fantasy lineups. I have to do that as well as the CBS pick'em pool. Let me just check that real quick because I think a lot of people haven't done it. 
Well, now I'm just confused. Apparently, there's several different pools. I don't, I don't know how this works. Might have been, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just if, if you're in one of the pools, just go ahead and, and make your picks. I don't know. I'm, I'm completely lost. <laughs> they, they don't let me delete my pools, so I can't get rid of all these. So some people are in different pools. I don't know. I've got like nine of them. Most of them are abandoned, but I think there's at least two that are very active. Whatever. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and look through some of these other games. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty-dighty, folks. Welcome back. We're going to start off the day just going in order as DraftKings has them laid out here. Um, Seahawks versus the Indianapolis Colts. Seahawks minus two and a half. And this one for me was an automatic head scratcher because I'm looking at it saying I'm feeling pretty comfortable about Seattle. Um, Two and a half is not that great. Now, I've been saying for a while I'm kind of down on Seattle and all that, but they usually come out of the gate pretty hot. At least that's kind of what I thought until I looked it up. My, my thought on Seattle is they, they always look real good, and then they kind of taper off because they just don't have it. But specifically week one, maybe in the beginning of the year, fine, but specifically week one, um, they are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Last year they beat Atlanta, which is not a good team. The year before that they beat Cincinnati, which, by the way, they beat Atlanta by four, which is not great. Uh, they beat Cincinnati by, uh, let's see, 20-14, to 14, which is also terrible because Cincinnati's terrible. They only scored 20 points. The year before that, they played Denver, and they won thir- or they lost 33-19. to The year before that, they played the Packers and lost 27-14. So they lost both of those decisively. Uh, then 2016, they won 43-27 against Miami. Now, Miami has always been terrible, and this is 2016 back when we're getting way, way, way better versions of the Seattle Seahawks than what we have today. Prior to that, uh, they lost in overtime 41-32. They don't actually have a very good week one <laughs> kind of a schedule. 
They also have basically a 50-50 history with the uh, the Colts, but they're very uncommon opponents, so they haven't really played each other very much. The last time was in 2017. Again, we're getting back uh, much closer to the dominant days of the Seahawks. Um, Seahawks won 46-18. to So this doesn't really tell me very much. Here's the thing, though. The Colts, um, in the last, let's see, how many years is it? Six years. So I'm going back to 2015. You know what their record is in week one? 0-6. The Colts are 0-6. Now, they've had some decent teams the last couple years. Um, Let's see. They lost last year to Jacksonville, 46-36. They lost the year before that to the Chargers in overtime, 27-21. Then they lost to Cincinnati, 53-39. How do you even do that? Uh, 21-11 against the Rams in uh, 2017. 47-31 against Detroit, 49-20. They don't just lose. They get annihilated. They get annihilated. So just based on history, which I don't usually lean too much on, but sometimes it matters, right? Especially when you're talking about week one, when you start talking about playoffs, certain things that kind of have something to it, right? Week one has to do with how well you're prepared going into the season. I think once you kind of get going, it depends on the, the structure of the team, but how you perform week one, how you play in the playoffs, things like that, they, they, have, they take on a different, you know, you, you can look at history because there might be something there if you see a trend. And this uh, 0-6 is what you might call a trend. I don't know. I don't remember how long their head coach has been there, but it's it's a heck of a tradition. But even if we look beyond that, the Colts do not have tackle Eric Fisher from the, um, you know, the, the Chiefs. He's not playing. Uh, they don't have cornerback Xavier Rhodes, which the corners are already suspect. They don't have pass rusher Kimoko Ture. Quinton Nelson is questionable. Let me see if I can get a little bit more details on that, because that's, that's just automatic if he's not playing. All right, so it says he is going to be starting, so that's pretty big, but let's just look at it. The The biggest thing for me in this game really comes down to, all right, let, let's just do offense versus defense here. Now, the Seahawks' defense is pretty suspect. Let's just call it what it is. As much as we like to think that the Seahawks still have a dominant defense, they were 15th in points, 22nd in yards, and it's not getting better because, again, their GM is a joke. Uh, nobody wants to call him a joke, but that's what he is. He's a joke. He has not been able to add talent to this roster in ever, but you got Carson Wentz, who was ranked 32nd out of 38 quarterbacks last year. It's his first year here. They don't have their left tackle. Um, Their wide receivers are uh, Pittman, who ranked 96th out of 127 wide receivers, Pascal, who ranked 94th out of 127 receivers, and then Paris Campbell, who did have a good 2020, but, um, you know, still remains to be seen because he was terrible as a rookie. And and so you look at it and say, well, they don't need to because they got a good offensive line. All they got to do is just pound the rock. The problem with that theory is that as bad as the Seahawks were, the one thing they did really well was stop the run. They were fifth in yards per attempt rushing on defense. That's the one thing they can do. So you're going to want to be able to drop back and throw the ball. I get way too many tabs open here. It's driving me crazy. And so, again, it's just strength versus strength. Weakness versus weakness, that isn't great. The, the other thing that I'm looking at here, though, is Seattle Seahawks. How in the world are the Colts going to be able to stop this, especially with Xavier being out? Do they have anyone that can stop DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett? I don't think so. Uh, they also drafted Dwayne Eskridge in the second round. So they got another wide receiver um, that they're going to be able to work with. Who's going to stop that? They don't have super good safeties outside of maybe Kari Willis, um, who's average. And as a pass rusher, they got Buckner up the middle, but that's about it. And I know the Seahawks don't have the greatest offensive line in the world, despite the fact that they did just go out and, or they did go out and get Dwayne Brown, who's a freak. But one defensive tackle that can do stuff, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Seahawks are going to be able to throw all over the yard here. It is in Indy, which is the one factor that could be going in their favor. 
So I, I just don't know. Maybe if Indy can establish the run, they'll be able to do something. But I just think the Seahawks are going to be able to throw all over them. Um, I don't know. And it's 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 only minus two and a half. I wouldn't even be super afraid of taking the points because if the, if the Seahawks win, I think they're they're going to score a lot of points. And and that would make sense because remember the Colts don't just lose week one; they lose big. They lose like by twenty points. Lost by ten, six, um, fourteen, ten, sixteen, and twenty three. That's how many points they've lost by the last six weeks in a row. So I think the Seahawks win. I think they cover the two and a half fairly easily. Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills. Um, I usually, I don't like to touch these, especially week one. You're talking minus six for the Buffalo Bills. I'm comfortable saying the Bills probably win. But we're still talking about the number three defense in football last year. And I don't, I don't think Buffalo is exactly... They're not quite like the Packers or Tampa Bay or some of these other teams who have very well-rounded teams or, or very well-rounded rosters. I think they have some holes, right? You got a very talented quarterback and a very talented number one wide receiver, and that just kind of tears everybody up. But uh, Witherspoon, the Seah- the Steelers corner, was ranked sixth last year. You got Watt, who was the number two ranked pass rusher in football last year. You got one of the best defensive lines. You got the number six, number nine, and then Wormley, who was unranked, but uh, had an 80 overall grade, which is the third lowest on their defensive line. Not to mention Ingram on the other side had a 72 overall grade and was ranked 27th. This defensive line is crazy. And then you look at the Buffalo Bills offensive line. Feliciano was 39th. Morse at center was 21st. Ford was 64th. Their grades are 64, 63, and 58, or 53. Average, average, bad. So you have a bad interior offensive line going up against maybe the best defensive line in football. I mean, if you include the edge rushers, it's no question the best defensive line in football. And I think Josh Allen's going to be under constant duress. It doesn't necessarily mean they win, but I just, six points? How, how often is he just going to be able to drop back and launch it to Diggs with uh, Fitzpatrick and Edmonds at safety? I just, I don't, I don't see this as being a very easy game at all. It is in Buffalo, which is great. And, and the bigger issue, and I think this is the, the bigger problem, is the fact that the Steelers' offense, I think, is kind of a joke. And Steeler fans, I'm glad I'm not doing the, um, the YouTube because they get really mad at me when I say stuff like that. Here's the problem, though. Buffalo's defense is not good. And I, that's the other thing I listened to on PFT. They're like, I think that was a fluke kind of covid thing. Well, maybe. Ed Oliver, the guy they drafted early, 115th out of 126, one of the worst defensive linemen in football. Um, Butler, 88th. Addison off the edge, 78th. Uh, their linebackers ranked 37th out of 83, 37th, 74th, and 67th. Horrific. Tredavious White, who everybody assumes is just the greatest uh, corner in football because as a rookie he was good, um, he ranked 31st, which is barely starter caliber, 68.5 overall grade. By the way, the Bills' defensive tackle star Latulale is out for this game. Emmanuel Sanders is questionable. The Steelers have no injuries. Add in the fact that they brought in um, Mr. Najee Harris. And granted, this offensive line has been completely decimated, and that's going to be a problem. But they brought in Najee Harris, and they're going to be running against a group that is, again, pretty decimated and terrible. Their run defense is worse than the Packers. They rank 26th. So this is a worse run defense than the Packers going up against Najee Harris. And uh, and look, I mean, it's, it's, it's not... Uh, it's still Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and uh, Deontay Johnson, which is not the worst group in the world to be able to throw the ball around to. So would I pick the Steelers to win? Probably not. Would I take the Buffalo Bills minus six? No. 
I wouldn't even just pick the Bucs. I, I just don't want to touch this game. I really don't. It's, again, especially week one, I just don't like it. Uh, the Bills have gotten the better of the Steelers the last two times they met, uh, 2020 and 2019. So the last two years in a row, um, Bills outscored the Steelers 26-15 to 15 and then 17-10. to 10. So they've been fairly decisive, 7 points and 11 points. Uh, Buffalo Bills week one, uh, despite being a newly good team, are actually 4-2 and two on week one. That's pretty good, again, considering they've been bad for the most part. To be fair, though, the last two years in a row, they played the Jets week one and won. So uh, 46-33, 37-24. The year before that, they played Baltimore and got spanked 33-11. to So it kind of just depends. And the year before that, they played the, they played the Jets three out of the last four times. Not surprisingly, those three they won. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. Three out of the last four years, they played the Jets week one. That's kind of crazy. And the one time they didn't, they lost 33-11. to 11. So I don't, I'm not even looking at that. Steelers, 3-2-1 uh, and one in the last six years. And I may have been looking at the wrong numbers for scores, but whatever, we'll leave that alone. Uh, they beat the Giants last year. They got killed by New England 33-3 to three the year before that. So not a lot here. I just, I just wouldn't touch this game if I was you. If you're super high on Buffalo and they're going to be great, fine. But again, they're just going to pound Najee Harris against one of the worst run defense teams in football, one of the worst linebacker groups, one of the worst defensive tackle groups in football. They got one edge rusher who's like 500 years old. I mean, the Steelers are kind of rough, but I don't know. I think that's what most people are seeing is, is a Steelers team that nobody likes anymore and a Buffalo team that people think is going to be the best in football. But again, this is why I'm so high on the Packers. This is, this is a terrible group. It's just some of these guys are really bad, and there's so many holes for the Buffalo Bills. Again, the interior offensive line is bad. The Packers have questions on the interior. Buffalo Bills are just bad on the interior. Anyways, I got to speed this up. I, this is the problem with doing this. I always take way too long. Um, Jets, Panthers. Panthers are minus three and a half. It's another one I just, I, I wouldn't want to touch it because, I mean, the Panthers are getting a lot of love for a team that just doesn't have anybody. I mean, the Panthers have been really, really, really bad the last couple of years, and they added Sam Darnold, and everyone's like, oh, dude, Pan- you got to watch out for the Panthers, bro. They're going to they're gonna spank the Jets. Why? Why would they spank the Jets? Based on what? Carolina Panthers have one of the worst quarterbacks in football as their starting quarterback. They have no tight ends, and they have a really bad offensive line. Going up against the Jets, who have a real stout defensive line, one of the better safeties in football in May. I mean, you know, if you want to say, well, they've got Christian McCaffrey and they've got a couple good wide receivers, that's fine. But your quarterback has to be able to execute that. And I don't know that this is going to be the easiest team to run against, especially now that they've got Robert Sala as their head coach. Um, I think that gives their defense a bit of a boost. Again, they didn't rank very well in terms of points and yards that the Jets didn't. Part of that, by the way, has to do with the offense. If your offense can't do anything, your, your defense is going to be on there a lot more. But they were seventh in yards per attempt. They were terrible against passing teams. But again, Sam Darnold is the quarterback. I don't trust that so much. If you're saying Christian McCaffrey is going to run all over him, seventh rushing team and in, in defensive team against the run, whatever. And then on the flip side, the Jets have an improved offensive line. They got uh, Mekki Becton at left tackle. They got Moses at right tackle. They drafted Vera Tucker to beat a left guard. Um, the two other guys in the interior aren't super great, but whatever. You got Wilson at quarterback, who's pretty good in the preseason. Um, they went out and got uh, Corey Davis, who's a very good wide receiver, to put out there out wide. They got Elijah Moore, who had some great... Um, there was a ton of chemistry in preseason with him. So if they're able to get that passing game going... Um, I mean, the, the, the Carolina Panthers have a terrible defense. They just do. As much as everybody wants to talk about Brian Burns because they think it makes Rashawn Gary look bad, they don't have a whole lot going on here along this defensive line. 
Um, on the opposite side of him, Hassan Reddick, who has been bad for a long time. Um, Derek Brown was terrible as a rookie. Maybe he could take a step. I don't know. Uh, they did draft J.C. Horn. We'll see how he performs. That could be a big get. That might be a, a big thing here if they can really make that work because I don't know that they're going to be able to run too well, even though the defense isn't great. I, I don't I don't know. Um, bottom line is I just don't really want to touch it. I would be tempted to pick the Jets to win as much as that's going to shock everybody. Like, well, how, you know, they were, you know, one of the worst teams in football, and now they're going to start winning games. Dude, the Panthers are bad, though. The, ba- the Panthers are a bad football team. That's the problem. So you got two bad football teams. One of them added Sam Darnold. One of them added a one of the most coveted head coaching um, prospects out there in, in Sala as a head coach. So they, they've got a much better structure, a much more respectable organization. They added um, Matt LaFleur's brother to implement this very quarterback-friendly system that is just dominating all over the NFL right now to help Wilson along. Again, up against this team that just hasn't done anything except add a really garbage quarterback. It's now officially official, by the way. Ian Rappaport, just 11 seconds ago, just said, Packers standout pass rusher Zadarius Smith, who has battled a back issue, is playing today. Sources said a huge lift for Green Bay by one of their best players. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited about today. I just It just like occurred to me. You know how it's like you know somewhere logically that something's happening, but then it like really hits you. The Packers are playing today. And you get like those overwhelming butterflies where you get chills and then your eyes water and then you're like, dude, stop. You're, people are going to think you're crying and you're an idiot. I'm not an idiot and I'm not crying. I'm just excited and I got chills and they were a little intense. And it's like, it's almost like you get chills up into your eyeballs and it causes you to tear up a little bit. All of you can shut up right now. I'm not crying. That would be ridiculous. However, I'll tell you this. Um, I'm very nervous about if the Packers do go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to have to probably, I don't know if I can live stream it because there's going to be a party. I might just do it on my phone. It's going to be really nerve-wracking because I know if they win the Super Bowl, I'm going to shed a tear and I'm going to look like an idiot, and that's going to not be great. But I don't know, man. I'm, I um, I think from a betting standpoint, I would take the Jets at three and a half just because they don't even have to win. They just have to be able to cover by more than a field goal. And if the Jets win, it's a bonus. So if I were to bet it, and I just don't want to because it's two really bad organizations and it could easily go either way and I don't really care, I wouldn't, I'm not going to touch it. But if I did, I would take the Jets at three and a half. I don't even remember who I picked straight. I might just pick the Jets in my uh, pick them thing. 49ers-Lions, this one's real straightforward as a pick. I mean, I don't even need to go in depth on this for you. The 49ers should win. I do think the 49ers are massively overrated. Somebody else was talking about this. I think it was on that same podcast. I don't know, but they were like, um, what did they say? Oh, yeah, they were, they were just talking up the 49ers over and over and over and over and over. And I think it was Florio kind of corrected, what's his name, Sim. It was like, this is a team that won six games last year. And he's like, well, they didn't have a quarterback. Here's the follow-up question that should have been, that I've said now several times. This should always be the follow-up question. How many years has Kyle Shanahan been the coach of the 49ers? And then they go look it up. They figure it out. I don't know, four, five, six, two, eight. I don't know. Tell me how many times they've had a successful season since he's been there. The answer to that question is once. So if you're not super high on the 49ers, statistically, you're making the right determination. Well, they've Garoppolo's been hurt all the time, and all the, they've had a lot of injuries. That doesn't help your case. That doesn't help your case. Their, their team is injured all the time and Garoppolo can't stay healthy. But I'm picking the 49ers because they're really good. Doesn't that factor into the equation? The fact that Garoppolo keeps getting hurt and they don't ever have any quarterbacks? Again, I'm not picking the Lions to win. I don't even think the Lions are picking the Lions to win. It is in Detroit. So hopefully a lot of people show up, although I don't really know what's going on in Detroit. I guess they're allowed. I think all teams are allowed to have people go there. I know Detroit is super strict with everything. 
But hopefully the few Lions fans that exist get there and make a bunch of noise because I would love for the Lions to beat the 49ers just because I don't trust they're going to be able to do anything. But, I mean, look, it's, it's I'm not I'm not taking it because it's just too many points. But, um, you know, I mean, Swift, the, the offensive line isn't there. Sewell, there have not been a lot of great reports about him so far. The rest of the offensive line has been not great outside of Ragnall. Um, I mean, Goff to Hawkinson maybe can do some stuff. But you, you got Bosa, you got Armstead, you got uh, Verrett at corner, you got Warner, who's maybe the best linebacker in football. You got Ward and Tart, who are competent safeties, up against what, Quintez Cephas? Quintez Cephas is, uh, is maybe, I mean, Tyrell Williams is probably the guy, but I mean, Quintez Cephas, who, I mean, he, he on almost every team in the NFL, he's barely a backup. He might be a practice squad guy. The Lions have him as a starting wide receiver. I mean, it's just, it's going to be brutal. Um, and I do, I, if, if you forced me to bet it, I would take the 49ers at minus nine. I just would because it's it's going to be such an absolute bloodbath. I just can't do minus nine. It's too big of a spread, and it's the NFL is just too volatile. But I mean, it is what it is, man. If you just want to watch a beating, just go watch that game. Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals. I actually did put a slight bit of action on this because Tennessee is only minus two and a half favorites. I think Tennessee should be stronger favorites than that. Uh, the only guy out for the Titans is David Long. I don't even know who that is. They do have quite a few questionables, including their kicker, Sam Ficken, which um, is not insignificant. Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, tight end, Tommy Hudson, and DB, Chris Jackson. The Cardinals uh, out for the day, Dennis Gardeck, linebacker, and Anton Wesley, Antoine Wesley. So nobody's super serious. This is in Nashville, Tennessee, which again, I think is a massive help. I always think the Cardinals are massively overrated, and I think the Titans are one of the best teams in football. And I, they're just perennially underrated. I think it's because everybody hates their quarterback and refuses to accept that he's since he's come to Tennessee, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in football. Um, I heard somebody else say that Derrick Henry's going to regress, which fine, even if he does a little bit, he's still maybe the best running back in football. Uh, they added Julio. That I just I I think Tennessee's going to annihilate Arizona. As I'm talking about this, I'm talking myself into believing this is going to be a bloodbath. Tannehill was ranked the fifth best quarterback in football. Derrick Henry was number one. Um, A.J. Brown was the number two wide receiver in football. Julio Jones was the number eight wide receiver in football. Uh, the offensive line is is absolutely fantastic. Taylor Lewan is their left tackle. Saffold, Jones, and Davis on the interior are fine. They do have Questenberry at right tackle, which could be somewhat problematic. But against who? Uh, I mean, they they do have Chandler Jones, which I guess is kind of scary. J.J. Watt is the only thing, but this defense is bad. They have a bad defense. I mean, if if everybody's just freaking out about J.J. Watt and and Jones, fine. Maybe they're going to get a little bit of action, but I'm going to take Derrick Henry and just run the other direction. Um, They drafted Zayvon Collins. We'll see if he can do anything. They drafted Isaiah Simmons the year before that, which is just proof that this is a failure. The fact that you drafted Isaiah Simmons 8 overall, and then the next year in the first round you draft another linebacker because Simmons was so trash and he could barely even get on the field. Stop drafting linebackers in the first round, you bunch of dummies. It's just it's just a bad team. The Cardinals are a bad football team. I don't understand why every everybody downplays the Titans. Everybody plays up the Cardinals so much. I just don't understand it. I'll never understand it. On the other side, Murray, who ranked 13th overall, is considered one of the better quarterbacks in football. I don't know why. I know they have Hopkins. I fully understand they have Hopkins. I really do understand that. That's it, though. They can't run the ball. The offensive line is is outside of their left tackle suspect. Um, outside of Hopkins, I don't know that they have a ton of great options. They did draft Rondale Moore. We'll see if he can do anything. I mean, we drafted a wide receiver, too. He's not even going to be playing, so it's not a guarantee. They got A.J. Green. 
I mean, maybe this is going to be dream team scenario. Maybe Murray is going to run all over the field. Maybe, 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 maybe. I just, I just think the Tennessee Titans are going to make quick work of this. I do worry about their defense not being super great, but um, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with the, the Titans and the points 100%. Um, and then another one I'm unbelievably comfortable with is Vikings Bengals. I, I think this is silly. Minus three for the Vikings. Like I said, I put all the money on the Packers. I also put all the money on the Vikings, which doesn't really make sense because it's not all the money. And I did play a couple other other games, but in terms of big time money, um, the Vikings and uh, the Packers with the points. Minus three for the Vikings is a joke. Um, the Vikings are a good football team. The Bengals are a joke of a football team. I don't know if I need to elaborate on that anymore. Do we, do we understand the point of what it is I'm trying to tell you? The the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals is acknowledging currently that since his injury, he's having mental struggles. Do you understand how significant that is? Do you understand also how significant it is that they really didn't make very many upgrades to this offensive line with the exception of Riley Reef, who is a Minnesota Viking, which is not ideal when you're playing the Vikings to play the team that you know, understands your right tackle very, very well. He's going to be going up against Daniil Hunter most of the day, by the way. Joe Mixon, who is, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I don't get, I, I, listen, the Vikings have issues, especially at corner. I mean, we'll see how well guys can perform. Uh, Patrick Peterson has been declining. Bashad Breland is massively overrated. He's barely average. I get all that. But this defensive line with Daniil Hunter coming off the edge against this terrible Bengals offensive line, you got Pearson Tomlinson, who granted, not super good pass rushers, but what do, we, what do we know about the Vikings? These guys at linebacker are going to be coming, and they're going to be coming fast and ferocious, and I think they're going to be assaulting Burrow, especially. you got a defensive-minded head coach who's got a, 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 a revamped defensive line, and he's got his linebackers out there. He's going to be attacking like crazy because he wants to get in Burrow's head, who's already in his own head. They're going to traumatize this poor young man. They're going to try to make him retire before he gets to week two. Jamar Chase, who they drafted instead of a, a, an offensive lineman to help protect the team, has been one of the worst. I mean, this is one of the worst storylines in all of football. He has been horrific. I'm talking real bad. Now, they still have Higgins and Boyd, who are good wide receivers, which is why there's no reason for them to draft Chase. There really wasn't, but that's fine. They wanted to get a true elite, you know, Devontae type, number one type, you know, top 10, top 15 wide receivers. So they went out and got Jamar Chase. Um, that was foolish. I've been hearing about how great Joe Mixon's going to be for years. He's never taken that. Every single year, we have to hear about how good Joe Mixon's going to be. He ranked 49th out of 70 running backs last year. He's never taken that step. I just don't understand it. And that's only half of it. That's only the half of it. Um, if we flip this thing around, how in the world did the Bengals, with a putrid, putrid group of, of corners, equally as bad as the Vikings, if not worse, stop Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson? How in the world... Does this maybe worst group of linebackers in football deal with Dalvin Cook? How? And who's, who's their top pass rusher, by the way? Hubbard? This is a joke. This is an absolute joke. I, I hate to give this much credit to the Vikings, but this is just flat-out disrespect to the Vikings. And I, I appreciate that they're disrespecting the Vikings, but they're stupid for doing it. Again, any given Sunday, I don't know, but there's, there's nothing here. There's nothing. The Vikings should absolutely annihilate this team. It's an absolute joke. Um, injuries, by the way, Christian Derrissaw and Anthony Barr. They still have Kendricks. It'll be Anthony Barr's not the good one of the two. Cardinals, or excuse me, that's the wrong team. Bengals out is Trey Waynes, which is significant. Let me do a quick Twitter check, see if I'm missing anything there. There is a nice little nugget here from Dyer. This dude is fantastic. I got to start making more money so I can hire him back. 
He does. He's such a good researcher. He says, was Zedarius Smith active today? It's now officially been 50 games and 1,370 days since Z last missed a game. Zedarius Smith, by the way, tweeted out 19 minutes ago, it's game day, baby, let's go. So it's it's 100%. I'm super excited. Very, 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 very pumped. Uh, what else did I want to look at in this game? Is there anything else that's worth looking at? I don't think so. I mean, we can, we can dive in, I guess, a little bit. I'm not doing head-to-head because it's an uncommon opponent. Let's look at week one. And honestly, all I care about is the Vikings because... It's theirs to lose, so unless they have a horrific tradition of losing, and they don't. Last year, they lost to the Packers. Before that, it was win, 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 and then lost to San Francisco in 2015. So they've won four out of the last week one, four out of the last five week ones, except last year when they had to run into a freight train called the Green Bay Packers, but they still still scored 34 points. I, I don't see any reason for them to score less than 34 points, if not more, and the Bengals are not going to get to 30. If this was a 35 to... Uh, 20 game, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If And I, I'm struggling to figure out how the Bengals get to 20. I should have put more money on that Vikings game. <laughs> uh, let's see, Chargers and Washington. Washington's minus two kind of surprised me a little bit, I guess, just because uh, I feel like everybody, not that I care so much, but it feels like everybody's been super hyping up the Chargers. So it's, it's kind of like one of those fake things, pr- primarily because of Herbert, where everybody's like, oh, yeah, Chargers, Herbert, Chargers, Herbert, Chargers, Herbert. And then when when it comes down to putting your money down, it's like, "Eh, maybe just Washington. Like, is Washington real good? Eh, I don't know, but they'll probably beat Chargers. By the way, that game is in Cincinnati, not Minnesota, but that absolutely doesn't make a difference to me. This game is in Washington. Um, That is a long flight, to be clear. I mean, when you're talking about going from L.A. from the West Coast to the East Coast, that's a significant flight. Washington also, pretty solid stadium. Uh, I think it's the biggest in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of capacity. So there's plenty of of room to uh, make some noise. Also, Fitzpatrick is a quarterback. I do think that's significant. That guy can make some stuff happen. Fantastic offensive line. They signed Scherf again. They drafted Sam Cosme for the right side. Roulier has been a great center. Flowers and Leno. It's a good line. Uh, McLaurin, let me check injuries. I thought somebody was out. No, nothing listed for injuries. Trey Marshall for the Chargers is out. Austin Eckler is questionable. I need to check on that because that's massively significant. Looks like we don't have any confirmation on that yet. Twitter's such a good resource, it's crazy. It's so much better. Like all these other articles, I mean, people have to put time in it and then they have to post it. And these, these, like even the NFL one I'm doing, I'm sure they're updating it as we go along, but it uh, it was posted two days ago. So, and I'm sure the updates are going to be slower than Twitter, which, I mean, again, I'm, I'm getting instant updates from people who are watching guys like Instagram feeds. If this was a live show, you would have heard about Zadarius Smith on this show before anywhere else. But, you know, maybe someday people will be smart enough to give me my own show. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Why is Cracker Barrel trending? Anyways, we got to move on. Uh, Washington and the Chargers. Again, I just, I think it's a good group. I, I, McLaurin is a is a good wide receiver. I do think he's underrated. He's not a super freak type of guy, but he's been so consistent at being just good. He was actually the sixth ranked wide receiver in 2019, 26th rank in 2020, which doesn't sound good, but still basically an 80 overall grade. He's a good football player, and now he's got an actual competent um, quarterback. I do worry about Bosa on the other side, but the corners are not very good. The safeties have been terrible. Uh, Nasir Adderley has not panned out. Derwin James, everybody keeps freaking out about, but the guy just cannot stay healthy very much. Um, 2019, I mean, he grades out fine. He's a, he's a freak, but he cannot stay healthy. So, I mean, this is just kind of a trenches thing for me. And again, I know Bose is real good, but this is the the Washington football team is such a just solidly built group, you know? Like, they just got guys that are just solid, kind of across the board. No no real elite players outside of Scherf, but everybody's just competent. 
Then you go to the other side. Um, Herbert is the guy you got to watch out for. And, and here's the thing, and this is why I'm, I'm still kind of iffy on it. That defensive line is scary, and I don't know if Eckler's going to be getting a ton of yards even if he does play, but if Herbert can kind of pick up where he left off, he's a 15th-ranked quarterback as a rookie, which isn't bad. He's got Allen, right? He's got, I mean, Keenan Allen's still Keenan Allen. Uh, they've also got Mike Williams, who's still a solid wide receiver. If they're able to throw it around, and they drafted Rashawn Slater as a tackle, so they're trying to improve this offensive line. Corey Lindsley is their center. Brian Balag is their right tackle. Um, what used to be a terrible offensive line has at least some potential to be pretty competent. I think they're still going to get beat up real bad. Chase Young is going to be going up against rookie Slater. Josh Sweat is going up against Balaga, who ranks 64th, by the way, out of 79. Another another bit of proof. I mean, listen, he was 77 overall grade when he was with the Packers. We let him go. Everybody panicked. We did okay. He was 60. So he went from being the 15th best tackle to the 64th best tackle in one year when he went to a new team. Corey Lindsley is rated as the first best. We got to see what he ends up as now that he's a charger. So I do think this defensive line is tough. But outside of that, I think if they can get a rhythm going, throwing the ball, and that's the biggest thing. If this becomes a air it out type of game, I think the Chargers win. The question is, can the defensive lines keep the other teams in check? If it's a slow rolling kind of, you know, time of possession kind of game, I think Washington wins. Either way, I'm not touching it. If you think Washington's going to win, I think that's a fair assessment. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers pull it off, though. I'm just not touching it. If I had to pick a team, probably taking Washington, but the the minus two kind of makes sense to me. I think it's real close, but I'm not putting anything on that. Eagles-Falcons. Falcons are minus three and a half. That's always risky. I don't like the fa- the Eagles, but that Falcons team has no ability to do anything at all. I do like their tight end. I mean, l- l- bottom line, the Falcons offense is not bad. I-, I think they're massively underperforming, but Matt Ryan was the 12th highest graded quarterback. It's still Matt Ryan, right? Kyle Pitts is a freak. I drafted him in two out of my three leagues. I would have been three out of three if he didn't get sniped like two picks before my the next turn. Um, Calvin Ridley was ranked the 11th best wide receiver in football. Despite losing Julio Jones, Ridley's still a very good player. Gage in the slot is fine. The offensive line is still pretty solid. Uh, They did draft a guard to kind of come in and supplement, but Matthews at left tackle, Lindstrom at right guard, now Mayfield at left guard. They got a little bit of work to do everywhere else, but I just think that this could be a pretty solid offense that should be able to score some points against a team that does not have good corners, does not have good linebackers, does not have good safeties. Basically, all they have is Graham and Cox, who are guys that are, you know, Brandon Graham is 33 years old. He's still doing it. He's one of those guys that's just a freak, but they've done nothing to supplement. They've, they're, they're basically just, they're like a lot of other teams where they have this really good unit and they just let it slowly burn out and die. And they have no ability to bring in guys to do anything, right? Who's the replacement for Fletcher Cox, who's now 30 years old? They don't have one. They can't do anything. So this defense is terrible. The Falcons should be able to score some points. The biggest issue, though, is the fact that they scored points last year, and it was the defense that always let them down. The defense was terrible. The question is, what is the Falcons' offense going to be able to do? Because Jalen Hurts was ranked 37th out of 38. I got yelled at on my YouTube when I did my mock draft. Um, I had them taking a quarterback because they were real high up, and I said, you know, we'll, I try to be cool about it because people flip out. I'm trying to be more positive or whatever. And I was like, well, we'll see how he performs, but I think based on last year, uh, you know, we probably get a new one. And he was like, LOL, he was great. He said his, he's basically like Russell Wilson and this and that. And I tried not to be a jerk in the response, but 37th out of 38 means he was terrible last year, and he was. Sanders is very well liked, and he gets his yards and everything, but he ranked 54th out of 70. Uh, Jalen Rager, they drafted, he was 90th overall. They brought in, uh, Qu- or Brett Quez Watkins was not good. They brought in uh, Devontae Smith. That's their one hope at somebody being real good. But again, they tried it with Jalen Rager. They didn't get anything out of it. 
Zach Ertz has declined every single year. He was 62nd out of 71 last year. This thing's falling apart. And so again, the Falcons' defense is terrible, but they still have to be able to capitalize on it. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a good offense against a bad defense, and on the other side, it's a bad offense against a bad defense. Maybe Sanders has a big day. I don't know. I mean, Grady Jarrett is the one really solid guy they have on this team. He's on the interior. If you, if you wanted to attack the Falcons, I'd attack the boundary and start throwing the ball. But I think I like the Falcons in this game. Do I want to touch it for three and a half? No, I don't want to touch it at all because, again, I think both of these teams are, are scary in terms of their... When you have really bad defenses, the problem is volatility. Anytime a team can come in and put up 35 points at a whim, including teams like the Falcons or the Eagles for that matter, I just, I can't touch it. Either one of these teams could win by 15. So I'm not doing that. Um, Jaguars and Texans, another one I just don't want to touch. I know that the Houston Texans are seen as a joke, but I don't know what the Jaguars are either. Uh, Trey Herndon is out for the Jaguars. Deshaun Watson, obviously out for the Texans, as is Lonnie Johnson. Nobody cares about any of those. Uh, the Texans do have Tyrod Taylor, who, um, I mean, it's nice when you have a veteran in there, but he's been, the last three years in particular, he's been terrible. He had a nice stretch from 2015 to 2017 where he looked pretty solid, but the last three years, he's been really terrible. But there's still Cooks, who's a great wide receiver. And, and by the way, the, the Jaguars, I think I, in my daily fantasy, some other stuff that I got over at DraftKings, I pick Cooks in a lot of my leagues because you got Taylor, who's a veteran, Cooks, who's a very good wide receiver, up against a terrible cornerback group for the Jaguars. You've also got Gary and Conley. Um, terrible offensive line, though. The Texans are never going to go anywhere. I mean, Tunsil's fine, but other than that, it's garbage. The problem is, who's going to take advantage of for the Jaguars? They don't have anybody. So you got a Texans team with no running back, no offensive line, one good wide receiver, and that's it. But again, the defense has nothing. They drafted Tyson Campbell, maybe, I don't know. On the flip side, the Jaguars have Lawrence. And, and I listen... Regardless of what everybody's been saying, I think the Jaguars are the are, are solid pick. I don't know what Lawrence can do, but he he has a baseline level of competence. And so you look at the Jaguars, and, and I don't like their tackles, despite the fact that they've drafted two guys to try to fix that, and both of them seem to be bad. But the Texans' defensive line is a complete joke without J.J. Watt. It's horrible. I mean, I know I've said worst defensive line of football several times, but when you include the pass rushers, this has to be it. I mean, it just has to be it. Zero competence. And the interior of the Jaguars' offensive line is solid. Robinson, the undrafted free agent, I know they lost Fournette, not Fournette, um, ETN, who they drafted. I don't know why I view those guys as the same guy, probably because it's the Jaguars. But Robinson is a guy that they really liked, and he played pretty well. He should be able to run the ball, especially against this defensive line. Chark, Jones, and Chenault are a good trio. I like Marvin Jones and Chenault and DJ Chark. And I think Lawrence is going to be able to get some stuff done. So um, yeah, I am I am fairly confident. This this has to be the worst defense in football by a mile. Their starting corner, Hargreaves, ranked 117th out of 121. They do have terrorist, Terrence Mitchell, Mitchell, who is a seventh-round pick, is not good. But I just, I mean, he, he almost a 70 overall grade, which the crazy thing is 68.2 is Mitchell's grade. He's the highest-graded defender on this team. 68 average is the best. There's only two guys with an average grade. The defensive line is 39, 39, 57, 52. The corners are 68-41. The linebackers are 67-48-60.9. And the safeties are 60.7 and 53.9. Justin Reed. Now, Justin Reed took a step back. Maybe he'll bounce back. Maybe a couple of these guys, it's just a fluky kind of down year. I don't know. But I think the Jaguars win this game, man. I just, I have to take the Jaguars. Do I want to take a minus three? I, I almost would. Just because they have to be able to score points. I understand the concerns about the Jaguars. I would. I, I, I wouldn't be massively comfortable, but I'm comfortable enough in how bad the Texans are. Um, I think I would take them there. 
Uh, Saints-Packers, I've already explained that to you. Three and a half, I would comfortably take. Um, it's not as crazy, maybe, as some of these other teams. But again, I mean, Packers should be able to run the ball. The Packers should be able to throw the ball. The Packers should be able to block. The Saints don't have an offense, with, aside from one guy. I, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You take that information. If, if, it, if it wasn't as, I mean, just going through this, I, I'm, I don't know. Whatever. I, we've talked about it. Um, Chiefs-Browns. Again, I halfway alluded to this one already. I, I'm not comfortable touching it just because it's such a volatile kind of thing. The Browns in particular are volatile. The Chiefs are good. The Browns are volatile. But on top of that, I'm telling you, I'm feeling a general decline of the Chiefs. I really am. Um, one of the things, I think it was it was either PFT or it was the, the CBS guys, um, they had their researchers pull up a bunch of stuff and how good, like uh, Pat Mahomes has never lost in September. The Chiefs have never lost. I mean, just all these things, right? The problem is the Chiefs have almost never lost, period. But last year is when everything started, kind of in the second half of the year when they lost to the Raiders by, I think, eight points. That was the biggest loss Pat Mahomes has ever had. Then somewhere later in the year, they lost by more than that. And then I think later in the year, they lost by more than that. And then in the Super Bowl, that was the biggest loss I think they've ever had again. So that was like the third time that record had been broken in one year. Then the offensive line gets sort of decimated, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty bad what happened to their tackles. That's not, everybody wants to act like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. In fact, this entire offensive line is entirely revamped. You've got uh, Orlando Brown, which everyone, oh, it's fine. It's Orlando Brown. He's really good. He was good. He was ranked 25th as a right tackle. He wanted to be a left tackle, so he comes over here. He's playing a completely different position, and he was only 25th overall last year. They brought in Joe Thune, at, at, and I think he might have been there last year, but he's a, he's a, a new guy. Um, Creed Humphrey was a second-round pick this year at center, so they've got a rookie center, kind of like we do. Uh, Trey Smith was a sixth-round pick this year at guard, brand spanking new. And then Lucas Niang was a um, third-round pick last year. I don't think he played last year. So they have essentially a rookie at right tackle, right guard, and center. They've got a free agent in Joe Thune. Again, I don't remember if he was there last year or not, but he was you know, a longtime Patriot and all these other things. And then Brown, who's new. Entirely new offensive line. Protecting Pat Mahomes. And, and what was it that caused Pat Mahomes to flail so much in that Super Bowl game? Oh, it was, it was the offensive nine, line not being able to block. Oh, and they have Miles um, Garrett, one of the best passers in football, and Clowney on the other side, who, as much as everybody's upset that he hasn't been as good as everybody expected, he ranked 19th last year, and it was um, he was 19th the year before that and 11th the year before that, 87, 80, and 75. He's been competent enough. The Browns also have Heinz Ward, who is a good corner, and they drafted Greg Newsom in the first round. So those are their corners going up to stop Hardman and Robinson. Whoop-de-doo. Yes, they have Hill. Hill's still pretty solid. By the way, Johnson, whoever that is, third highest graded safety in football. Ronnie Harrison was the ninth highest graded safety in football. This is the Browns' defense. Did I say Heinz Ward? I meant Denzel Ward. I feel like I said Heinz Ward. Denzel Ward is their corner, who's very, very competent. Again, another first-round draft pick, who might not be very good. The, the problem with the defense is the linebackers and the defensive tackles. But again, when you have two first-round pick corners, one of them has already established themselves. You've got one of the better safety groups in football. You've got a good pass rush duo. And the Browns have Tyreek Hill and terrible wide receivers outside of that. They do have Kelsey, who can probably attack the linebackers. But do you understand my hesitation here? I'm very hesitant to even touch this. On the opposite side, what's the Chiefs' defense? Again, massively overrated. Frank Clark ranked 92nd out of 108. He's never been good, and I think people are just starting to understand that. Um, you do have Chris Jones, who's a freak. He's always been a freak. He's consistently, in three years running now, 90, 90, 90, and 90 have been his four years in a row. Those have been his four grades. 
Um, but outside of that, Derek Nadi is mediocre. Reed is terrible. The linebackers, I think, are terrible. The safeties are are not good and massively overrated. Sorensen, who people like, is 86th out of 94. Tyron Matthew, who everyone assumes is the greatest in the world, 36th out of 94. He's fine. He's very versatile. But the corners here are terrible. And who do they have? The 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 <laughs> The Browns have the best offensive line of football, and it's really not even close. Um, Hooper at tight end is very, very talented. They've got a great running back group. They have Odell Beckham, who I think he might be out of this game. Let me check real quick. Uh, let's see. Questionable is Odell Beckham, J.C. Treader, Jadavian Clowney, Grant Delpit. This is a lot of guys. Ronnie Harrison and Chase uh, McLaughlin. But nobody is officially out that I've seen. I can go to Twitter and check that. The Chiefs' Austin Blythe is out. Questionable. Frank Clark. Oh, that's significant. Tyron Matthew, that's significant. Derek Nadi is... is so these are very... I mean, depending on who's actually out, that's very significant. I would keep a very close eye on that, but I just... I'm not taking the Chiefs in this game. I, I would be so tempted. Let me just... What is the line again? Minus five. I would take, I would take the Browns. Maybe not straight up, but I would take the Browns at, with five points. Again, best offensive line in football up against what? Against what? One good interior guy and no pass rushers on the edge? No, I'm not touching that. And these li- again, the linebackers, Baker Mayfield should be able to throw at will against these corners. They should be able to run at will against this defensive line and linebacker group. I think the Browns are going to be able to score a lot of points here. Maybe not. I don't know. But they, the point is they should be able to. And I understand there was a playoff game. I get all that. I understand all that. But again, the Browns are volatile. When they're bad, they're terrible. But when they're good, they just rip everybody to shreds, and you never know which one's going to show up. It is week one. You can bet on it. You can do whatever you want. It's way too volatile to trust the Chiefs minus five. Let me just put it that way. If I had to pick a team, I would probably want to lean Chiefs just because y- you want to trust them. But I'm not touching it, and if I had to pick, I would take the, the Browns with with the points. Dolphins-Patriots, they have the Patriots minus three and a half. Another one I just refuse to touch. I mean, the Patriots were so bad last year, and then they added some pieces, obviously added a quarterback, but I don't know what he's going to be outside of the preseason. Mac Jones, that is. Um, just in general, I, it's way too volatile. And, you know, I mean, what are the Dolphins? I don't even know what the Dolphins are at this point. Um, yeah, they do have Xavier Howard. Let me, let me just double-check injuries. Nobody is officially out for Miami. The Patriots have Malcolm Perry out. Questionable, Nelson Aguilar, Yadni Kajust, Rodney Perkins, and Jalen Mills. So let's just say for all intents and purposes, the uh, the teams are both completely healthy. Um, I mean, the Dolphins' defense is bad, and the Patriots do have a good offensive line. They should be able to run the ball fairly at will. They've got competent enough wide receivers. On the flip side, Tua is working behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. Um, he doesn't have much to throw to. There is Waddle, which is something to keep an eye on, but there's some pretty good corners still. In, in I think the Patriots make a lot of sense here. I really do. As sad as it is to say, I don't trust the Patriots long-term. I don't know what they have at quarterback. Um, I would pick the Patriots three and a half I don't care for. Just because, it's again, it's way too volatile for me. I mean, maybe Tua takes a step. Maybe Mac Jones is terrible in the regular season. I don't really know. I mean, the... the, the um, Dolphins are are seen as a team with a really good head coach who's a defensive-minded guy. By the way, he worked for the Patriots, which is something you have to be aware of. In terms of that familiarity factor, um, there have been times when these teams are terrible, but the one team that can play is the Patriots. So um, I just I wouldn't want to touch this one, to be completely honest. I think the Patriots are going to win, but I'm not super confident in that. Um, three more games. Broncos-Giants. The Broncos are minus 2.5, so obviously they see this as being close. Um, 
Broncos have Bradley Chubb listed as questionable. Out for the Giants is Evan Ingram, which is pretty significant. Questionable Saquon and Adore Jackson, obviously extremely significant. Did get an up- update here on Ian Rappaport. Dolphins removed the questionable designation on Austin Jackson, the left tackle, meaning he's cleared the COVID-19 protocols and will play. That is pretty significant. I still don't like their offensive line. Here's my thing with the Giants. Um, on offense, I do think Daniel Jones is a little bit underrated. He's got fumble issues, but I think he's pretty talented. And they did add Kenny Galladay, which is not insignificant. They still have um, Mr. Sterling Shepard, who is a pretty good football player, and he seems to be getting a little bit better. Do not like the offensive line, but as I was told a thousand times last year, they did improve in the second half of the year when they changed up who their offensive line coach is, which makes sense because these guys are better than how they graded. Nate Solder um, is pretty solid. Will Hernandez was a second-round pick who has not performed very well. Nick Gates was great in 2019, terrible in 2020. Um, and they had Andrew Thomas, who was a first-round pick number four overall. So if this group can hit their stride, it's a very good offensive line. Not to mention Saquon Barkley, who I do believe is playing. Every tweet I see is about, you know, how good of a game he's going to have. So it seems as though we've settled on that. Ian said something, but it doesn't look like anything super significant here. I don't know. They were about to start talking about Aaron Rodgers, but I I had to close it because um, got stuff to do. I probably would have kept listening, but I heard her say man bun, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm like, oh, wait, that's Rodgers. Probably should have listened to that. But anyways... Again, the the offensive line is the biggest thing. If you think this offensive line is going to do a good job, I think taking the Giants would make a lot of sense because Saquon, assuming he plays, should be able to do some serious work here. I mean, just because he's talented and it's a good offensive line, I'm not trashing the, the Broncos' defensive line at all. Harris is solid. Jones is solid. Miller and Chubb are good. But again, you also have Kenny Galladay and, and Shepard. It, it, it should be a good team. And um, it really just comes down to how good, how much do you, it, similarly, how much do you trust this Broncos team? Because, you know, Kyle Fuller hasn't been good the last couple of years, but the last time he was really good, seventh best corner in all of football, was the time he was playing under Vic Fangio. Do you think he's going to bounce back? That's a pretty big question. The bigger problem, though, on the other side is the Broncos offense, and I just don't like it. Bridgewater has not been very good. The offensive line is subpar outside of Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Um, and then the, the wide receivers, everybody just assumes they're going to be great. Jerry Judy, oh, he looks so good. He was 85th last year. Um, Cortland Sutton, as far as I know, is their best wide receiver by a lot. I mean, we'll see. And it, that's, that's really, the, it's, it all comes down to your projections. How good do you think the Giants offensive line is going to be? How good do you think Daniel Jones plays under those conditions? How good do you think Saquon is if he plays and how healthy he's going to be? How good do you think the corners in in Denver are going to be and the defense as a whole is going to be this year how good do you think Jerry Judy is going to be how good do you think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be in the system how good do you think Javante Williams the new rookie running back is going to be there's so much in terms of like how good these guys do because there's so much that's new but the Giants do have a good defensive line Blake Martinez was the sixth best linebacker in football last year which is painful to say but it is a reality um Mr. James Bradbury was a very good corner for the Giants last year. This is maybe more than any other game up in the air because it's so dependent on what you think about certain things that could go either way. So if I had to go based on the points, I'd probably go with the Giants, um, partially because I'm tempted to take them straight up, but also because I just think it's so close to 50-50, I'll just take the underdog. Um, Rams-Bears at, at minus 8.5, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, should just put minus 12 on it and take the Rams. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Again, I like I said, I don't like minus nine. I don't like minus eight and a half. It, it always makes me too nervous. There are some big questions about what is Matthew Stafford going to be able to do, but very similar to what I said about the Lions, if you just want to watch an absolute flogging, this is a great game to watch. 
Um, first of all, Eddie Goldman is out. That is massively impactful. The, the Rams basically have nobody out, nobody that you would even know. Questionable for the Bears. Also, Darnell Mooney, very significant. Khalil Mack, very significant. Um, Robert Quinn, unbelievably significant. That's their number two and number one and number two pass rushers are questionable with injuries. Um, Devin Bush, Deshaun Gibson, Eddie Jackson, and Patrick Scales, their long snapper, all questionable to play today. I know what I said about minus eight and a half, but I still, I still might take them at that. I mean, the problem is, you know, at some point when you're winning, you start to kind of coast, you know what I mean? And you start to play more defensively as opposed to anything else. And so that would be my biggest concern is how much are they going to rack up the points? But I mean, Matt Stafford is a talented, the offensive line for the Rams is good. It really is Uh, one of the better tackle duos in football. Their interior is fairly solid. Um, Brian Allen would be the one question mark. I don't really know what happened to him last year, but he was solid two years ago. So good offensive line, good quarterback, good running back in Henderson, solid wide receivers with Woods and and Cup there. Um, They also added Deshaun Jackson, which is interesting. I guess that gives them that one dynamic if they feel the need. And it makes sense when you have Stafford, because the one thing Stafford can do is launch it down the field. So if you have that opportunity to attack deep down the field, we have a guy that can can help execute that. this Bears team is just bad, man. These corners are terrible. I think they're going to be able to move at will. Um, the pass rushers are going to be more or less kept in check. The uh, linebackers, it's it's Roquan and nobody now. Um, and Roquan, again, I think is overrated. 66 overall grade, followed by a 52 overall grade, followed by a 67. He's never graded out as a 70 overall for the year. Take it for what you will. I know people don't like that, especially with linebackers, because everybody loves first-round pick linebackers. They're all elite, except PFF hates them all, and they all give up a ton of yards and whatever. I mean, they're fast. They'll get to the outside and all that, but eh, whatever. There's not a lot here. There just isn't. Khalil Mack is the one good player on this entire team. The only other guy that guys that graded in the 70s, Bilal Nichols, 71, to Sean Gibson, 72. The much-coveted uh, Eddie Jackson had a 59 overall grade. He wasn't even average last year. Ogletree, the other linebacker, 27 overall grade. I think they're going to get beaten so badly, it's going to be just beyond embarrassing. That You might see Justin Fields in this game. I'm not even kidding. Not because it's, it's, um, not because it's Andy Dalton's fault at all. Just because I think the booing is going to start very, very early, and maybe that'll be their excuse to switch it out. But I think that would be a terrible decision. Because Andy, um, Aaron Donald is just going to wreak havoc. I, th- I think you just take your beating. And then next week you look to maybe bring on Fields, use Dalton as a scapegoat. But, I mean, he, we already know about the, the Rams' defense. Whether they take a step forward, back, it doesn't really matter. This is a top, top team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about the points. I don't really care. Um, the Bears are going to get shellacked. That's all I know. But, um, anyways, I got to get going. The pork butt is just about done. I got to get ready to take that off the heat and everything, and it's getting kind of late as it is. So, you folks, enjoy your day. Go Pack Go, and hopefully tomorrow will be our first Victory Monday of the 2021 season. Bye-bye.